Paul says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you all are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, kids, let me have your attention for a moment this morning. Now, this is a little bit interactive part of the sermon, so so I really want to hear some answers back from you. What is something that you appreciate about your friends? Anyone have an answer for that? What is something that you enjoy about a friend that you have? Any kids with friends? When they play with you? Nice. Anyone else? Dave? Sorry? Diversity and your friends, cool. Any other kids other than Dave? <laughs> Anyone else? Can someone repeat that? Benaya, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's really cool. Oh, uh, there's a lot of reasons that we enjoy our friends. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you're thinking of some of them right now. But, but one of the things that I think you guys probably most appreciate if you have a friend is one that has stuck by you through hard times. Those friends are good and hard to come by. Maybe, some, maybe one time when you were sad, maybe you were struggling with something, or maybe you were upset, and you had a friend who listened to you, who encouraged you. And if you've experienced that kind of friendship, that friend holds a very special place in your heart. And aren't you filled with joy when you think about them? Now, in our text this morning, we are going to learn about Paul's friends. And these friends of Paul, they have always stuck with Paul, especially when he was suffering. And because of that, it makes Paul happy when he thinks about them. So listen in, kids, this morning as we learn to learn, look at Paul's friendship and see what, it, what makes it so special for him. Now, church, if you remember last week, uh, we defined joy for Paul in the context of Philippians in this way. Christian joy is an emotion we experience that is produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ displayed in the gospel and in God's people. Now, last week we noted that Paul, who is writing this letter from prison, likely in Rome, is absolutely captivated with Jesus Christ. Even in the midst of his dire circumstances, a potential sentence of death looming over his head, 
Paul's letter to the Philippians is overflowing with joy. And this is because the source of Paul's joy comes from being captivated by the beauty of Christ displayed in the gospel. But there's another source of joy for Paul. And this morning we're going to consider that other source of joy that flows from his joy in Christ. And it is his joy in God's people, specifically in his friends, the Philippians. Church, if you are like me, it is easy to think of our approach to obtaining joy primarily in individualistic terms. Maybe through individually devoting our lives to reading God's Word and praying to God individually. And yes, that is an important means of grace. And there's going to be other texts that emphasize that. But we can easily forget the joy that we get to experience because of the gift of God's people. And when we fail to look around us and rejoice in what God is doing in the people around us, it can diminish our joy because it causes us to be self-focused and self-absorbed. But when we give God thanks for the gift of His people around us, it will surely be another source of indestructible joy for us. In our passage this morning, we will see how Paul's joy increases as he thought about the Philippians. And my hope and prayer is that our source of joy would not only be anchored in the beauty of Jesus Christ displayed in the gospel, but our source of joy will also be tightly bound to the gift of God's people that we have through the gospel. The main point of the text for us this morning is this, that our joy increases as we give thanks for God's grace in one another and pray expectantly for God's grace to increase in one another. So two points. Our joy increases as we give thanks for God's grace in one another and pray expectantly for God's grace to increase in one another. First point. Our joy increases as we give thanks for God's grace in one another. Now, we see in this prayer, in verses 3 to 8, that Paul's immensely joyful when he thinks about his friends. His overwhelming love for Jesus that captivates him naturally overflows in his love and affection for the Philippians. Now, before we get into the the content of this prayer, I want to point out an observation in this section. And I think this is interesting and intentional on Paul's part because he's going to give clues in this prayer as to the issues in the church that he's going to address later. Now, in verses 3 to 8, notice the number of times Paul uses the word all and you all in these verses. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Later on he says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, Paul's thanksgiving to God here communicates his expansive love for each and every single member in the church. 
Now remember, there are some internal struggles of disunity within this church, and it seems that what Paul is doing is gathering together each and every member in Philippi to pull brothers and sisters together who may have drifted apart through misunderstanding, maybe mismatched priorities, or some sort of disagreement. I thank my God for all of you. Then Paul tells us in verse 3 that he is making this prayer with joy. Why is that? Why is Paul praying with joy? It's because Paul's joy increases as he, give, as he gives thanks for God's grace that is at work in the Philippians. So let's look at three evidences of God's grace in the Philippians that brought Paul joy And let's consider each of them in turn so it can be a source of joy for us as well. Number one, Paul is joyful as he gives thanks for God's grace of partnership in the gospel that he has with the Philippians. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. There's a partnership that Paul has experienced with the Philippians that is a source of thanksgiving and joy for him. Now here Paul is specifically thanking them for the gift that they sent him through Epaphroditus. And we're going to learn more about this in the coming weeks, but let me just briefly read this section at the end of the letter. And you Philippians know, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, this is the first day, when I left Macedonia, that's where Philippi is, No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God." So Paul here is thankful because when he left Philippi, no other church supported him like the Philippians. They eagerly supported him then, and now when Paul is in prison in dire straits, they again send someone to him to encourage him and to support him financially. This is a mark of God's grace in the Philippians that brings Paul joy. Now what about you? Friends, there is much joy to be experienced in our partnership together with other believers in the gospel. Is this a source of joy as you think about one another? Now, as your pastor, I have the privilege of seeing a variety of means of God's grace that is present among you as we partner in the gospel. It brings me great joy to see how you all are eager to pray for one another eager to welcome one another, eager to encourage those who are struggling, eager to give generously, eager to walk beside those who are walking through dark valleys, eager to be merciful to those who doubt, eager to extend grace to those who confess their sin. I love the work of God's grace that is among us, and it brings me joy. I hope it does for you as well. You know, Paul could have easily started this letter saying, I thank my God sometimes when I think of some of you. 
you know, the ones that are just getting it right. I thank my God for everyone except for Euodia and Syntyche. You know, you know those two ladies that are ruining the advancement of the gospel? No. Paul is able to see the depth of God's grace that is present among the Philippians, and that is a source of indestructible joy for him. Friends, similarly, we need the help of the Spirit to see God's work of grace in one another. Left to ourselves, we are more focused in all the ways other people are not meeting our expectations. Paul is not like that. He is captivated by Christ, and he's helped by the Spirit to see the beauty of God's grace in the life of the Philippians. Now, the second reason Paul is giving is filled with joy when he thinks about the Philippians is because God's grace will ensure that they will persevere until the end. Verse 6, And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, we love this verse, don't we? We do. It's one of our favorite promises. But let's consider it for a moment in the context of Philippians. How can Paul be certain that the Philippians will persevere until the end? There's two reasons. First, God is the one doing the work. He says, He who began a good work in you. God is the one who initiated the good work. He is the one that is producing fruit and sustaining in them now, which gives Paul confidence that God will complete what he started. Paul is not confident in the Philippians. Paul is confident in God himself, the one who began the good work in them. The second reason for Paul's confidence that the Philippians will persevere until the end is because their good works in supporting Paul is evidence that God is currently at work in them. In other words, their good works towards Paul testify to the genuineness of their faith. And it confirms that God will confirm and complete the work that he began in them. Here's what this means. This means that those who will persevere till the end, this is for us, live lives today that are characterized by good works. But even those good works are the work of God in us from beginning to end. God alone is the author and perfecter of our faith. So Paul's joy increases as he sees God's grace in the life of the Philippians as they partner with him in the gospel, but but also because it provides proof and confirmation to him that God is still at work among them, and he will safely bring all of them to glory on the day that Jesus returns for his people. Now friends, do you want to experience more joy in your life in God's people? Paul shows us that we can experience deeper joy when we recognize the work of God's grace in one another. One way we can do this is by pointing out evidences of God's grace we see in each other, just like Paul is doing. And we need the Spirit's help to see that God is at work in one another. And not only that, we need to take a step and encourage one another by pointing them out. And to see, yes, God is at work in you in this way. When you see someone steadfast under trial, encourage them. When you see someone confess their sin, help them see God's grace at work in them. When you see someone serving without complaining, thank them and testify to God's grace that is at work in them. 
There are a thousand different ways that God is at work among us, and recognizing it and encouraging others can be a great source of joy for you and for them. Now, the third reason Paul is filled with joy when he thinks about the Philippians is that they are partakers of God's grace with him together in the gospel. Look at verse 7 and 8. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Listen to Paul here as his joy for the Philippians is overflowing. Whatever the Philippians' quibbles and disagreements were with each other, Paul's love for them was intense. Look at the words he uses. He holds them in his heart. He longs for them. God has given Paul an intense yearning and longing for these Philippians. But what is the reason for this intense love for them? Here's the reason. Paul tells us, For you are all partakers with me of grace. You are all partakers with me of grace. Friends, I want you to see the supernatural reality of what it means to be partakers of grace. Each one of us who belongs to Christ has been drawn together by the Spirit of God who has helped us see the dreadful reality that we are guilty and helpless on our own and we desperately need Jesus to save us. That makes us all partakers of the same grace. And seeing this reality is foundational to our relationships and it will set our heart free to love one another with the intensity that Paul is displaying here. The very affection of Jesus Christ for us is extended in our affection for one another. All because we get to see and experience that we are all partakers of this same marvelous grace of God for us. Now, if we are honest, it can be hard to have these intense feelings for one another in the church. I mean, when do you say, I yearn for you? Maybe some of you, maybe one of you. I long for you, but Paul is longing for all of them and yearning for all of them. Friends, it's because of our sinful hearts that we are often not longing for others and not seeing God's grace in them. Sometimes we're just upset with others because they ignored us once or they said something that irked us or we just, or they, we just find them annoying. I'm saying these things because they're true in my heart. And when these types of thoughts loom large in our minds, we have lost sight of the reality that all who belong to Christ are partakers of God's abundant grace. All of us. And we desperately need the work of the Holy Spirit among us to help us love one another with the affection of Christ Jesus. Listen to the Holy Spirit even right now. He will impress upon your heart how we can lean into relationships that might be hard but can be a source of deep joy that we are missing out on. Our second point, 
our joy also increases as we pray expectantly for God's grace to abound in one another. And we'll see this in Paul in this prayer in verse 9 through 11. Paul says this, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now, just as Paul finishes giving thanks to God for the Philippians, he prays for God's grace to abound in the Philippians, which is also a source of joy to him. Now, remember, Paul told us early in verse 3 that he's making this entire prayer with joy. Not only the thanksgiving, but also this supplication here at, this end, at the end. But why do you think this prayer for God's grace to abound brings joy to Paul? It is because of this, that Paul is confident that God will answer this prayer. And the result of God's answering this prayer will be greater joy for the Philippians and greater joy for Paul as well. So let's consider the content of this prayer together. Paul's central request for the Philippians is that their love for one another would abound, that their love for one another would increase and flourish more and more. You can sense that Paul might be hinting at his awareness of some lack of love in the church that might be keeping the Philippians from experiencing joy. Now, what kind of love is Paul talking about? Love is a word that is so overused that we often forget its biblical meaning. First of all, love is rooted in the character of God. God who demonstrated his kindness, his patience, his mercy to us who were his enemies by sending his son to die on the cross for our sins. So the love that Paul is talking about here is not some sentimental love. This is a sobering kind of love that is most clearly reflected in God's love for us. And this love then is reflected in our lives as we seek the benefit of others, even at great cost to ourselves. That is the love of God for us. This is the kind of love Paul is talking about that puts the needs of others ahead of our own needs. This is the kind of love that sacrifices emotions, finances, time, comfort, all that God has given us for the sake of others. And Paul wants the Philippians to abound in that kind of love. Paul goes on to pray that the love that he wants to abound in the Philippians must be with knowledge and all discernment, so that they may approve what is excellent. What is he talking about here? Let's consider for a moment what he means by this. So by knowledge, Paul implies that our love for one another must be expressed in ways that conform with God's revealed will and commands in Scripture. And discernment He's referring to the wisdom that is required to distinguish between essential issues and not essential issues in our love for one another. A lack of knowledge of what God has revealed and clearly revealed in Scripture can cause us to define love in our own terms or how culture defines love, and that is not love at all. 
that ends up harming others. But also discernment is just as important because a lack of discernment in how we love can also keep us from loving people well. Let me share an example that is true in my heart, and and maybe some of you can relate to this. It can be a temptation for us in reform circles uh, where we prize knowledge so highly that we end up majoring on the minors and slowly excluding those who vary slightly from our definition of precision. And how often we can have ruptures in our relationships because of a lack of discerning love that jeopardizes the unity of the church. To give you a clear example of this, the, the Pharisees give us a clear illustration of knowledge that is grounded in scriptures but completely lacking in discernment to determine what is most important. Jesus said this to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without, without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Man, that is sobering to me. Friends, we need knowledge and discernment to approve what is excellent. When our love for one another is only based on others agreeing with us on issues of lesser importance, it can keep our love for one another from abounding more and more. If our love for one another extends only to those who agree with us on who we voted for or our, our, our views on COVID or vaccines or homeschooling or a myriad of other secondary issues, we are missing out on the joy that comes from a discerning love that is rooted in the unity of the gospel. We need knowledge and discernment in our love. Now, Paul goes on in verse 10 to give us the reason for this prayer. And he says this, It is so that the Philippians may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Now, the words pure and blameless here are not referring to being sinless. Rather, the focus here is on the sincerity and the integrity of their their love for one another. So Paul here is praying that the Philippians would abound in their love for one another in such a way that they decrease in having selfish motives in their love or having a kind of love that is conditional, but rather they would increase in having pure love, one that is unconditional, the way Christ loves us. Now, now, while this seems daunting to us, especially me, who is very aware of the, the selfish motives that can be mixed in our love and the conditional nature of our love, Paul gives us hope here that this purely motivated love is not something we produce on our own. But verse 11 tells us that it is a fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Now here, Paul is not referring to the righteousness that is credited to us, that is the basis of our justification. Rather, he's speaking of the righteousness that God is producing in us through the Holy Spirit in all who belong to Christ. 
Now, I mentioned this earlier. I think the primary reason that Paul is joyful as he prays this prayer is not only that he gets to pray for them, but he is praying expectantly for God to answer this very prayer. Didn't we see this earlier? Paul is confident that through this very prayer that God who began a good work of love in the Philippians would also cause their love to abound more and more and surely bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Paul's joy is so tied to prepare others for the day of Christ that he prays with expectation that God will complete the work that he began in his friends, and that makes him happy. Friends, do you want to experience greater joy in people? Pray for God's blessing on one another. Pray for God's grace to abound in one another and pray expectantly, being confident that God will answer. This is a source of joy for Paul, and I pray it is for us also. Paul finally lands at the pinnacle of his prayer. The goal of his prayer at the end of verse 11 is that God alone would receive glory and praise for the work that he is doing among the Philippians. Friends, on that day when Christ returns, our greatest joy will be that Jesus is praised and glorified for all of his gifts and all the grace that he has given to us. And we will glorify him for the gift of his people to us. And we long for that day with our deepest, when our deepest joys will be satisfied, when God is glorified and praised among the redeemed. But until that day, let us also seek the joy that is available to us. And in this text, Paul has shown us clearly that our joy increases as we give thanks for God's grace in one another and as we pray expectantly for God's grace to increase in one another. Let me just close with a few practical points of application that might be helpful to us. First, uh, encourage one another. Our text shows us how joy increases as we recognize God's work of grace in each other's lives. Now, one simple way you can encourage someone in the church, obviously, is by telling them, uh, but it's by using these prayer cards that we have in the back of the church. We used to use them quite a bit before, but I've put them out in the back so you can use these. Maybe take one. You can write a note to someone, um, a prayer for them, an evidence of God's grace that you see in them, and you can put it in the little offering box at the back of the church, and we'll make sure it gets mailed to them, or you can hand it to them. Um, my, my hope is, this is just one simple tool, and that's, all, that's going to be available in the, in the back of the sanctuary that you guys can take with you. Friends, I want us to be a church that is so aware of God's grace in one another and so eager to recognize God's grace in one another, and that would produce increasing joy in one another. Second practical thing that we can do, let us lean into our partnership in the gospel that we have with Mark and Becca. 
Now, they are our partners in the gospel away from us as they proclaim Jesus among those who have not yet heard of him. And I'm sure if they were here, they would testify to the partnership that they have experienced in many of you supporting them financially and praying for them. But maybe consider ways in which you can encourage them and point out evidences of God's grace in them and pray for them. You can do this by just writing a note of encouragement to them, an email, or you can write one of these for them, and we'll make sure it gets to them. And that's going to be a source of joy to them and for you as well. Finally, pray for one another. There is so much grace in this area already in this church, um, but I just want you to see how our joy increases as we see and pray for God's grace to abound in one another, expecting God's Spirit to answer these prayers for us. So consider how you can take this very prayer here in verses 9 through 11 and, and pray this for one another and pray this for yourself. And as God, who is pleased to answer this prayer for us, will cause his love to abound among us more and more, and that there would be a tangible sense of warmth and affection for one another that increases our joy for one another. I'll have a couple of discussion questions up on the screen, and we'll have them up at the end of the service. Now, we celebrate communion together each week to, in one sense, celebrate our partnership in the gospel that is only made possible because we are all partakers of grace. This is not something we celebrate individually in our homes. This is something we get to enjoy corporately, to give thanks to God for what He has not only done for us individually, but what He has given us in giving this family and making us all partakers of grace. This is the grace that he has extended to all sinners through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. For all who put their hope and trust in him, we get to experience and partake of this grace together.